Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's episode has been sponsored by Sugarwish. Sugarwish is an online gifting site that provides a delightful gift experience followed by delicious treats. They get to choose delivered directly to their door. Here's how it works. A sugar wish can be sent to anybody. So if you're the recipient, you open up an email and it says, someone has sent you a sugar wish and you open it up, you click and it says, pick any four of these delicious candies um, to fill your basket. So you get to look through everything from gummy worms and M&Ms and Skittles and jelly beans and everything. Um, and you click and then check out and it's sent to you in this beautiful box with all these candies inside and a ribbon. And it's just beautifully packaged and sent right to your door. And so somebody, basically, you get to customize your own gift. And it's really awesome. And I did this. And I sent some to my son at boarding school. And we got some here for Halloween. And I highly, highly recommend uh, this company. Um, definitely go check it out, sugarwish.com. Anne Shen is an illustrator, letterer, and best-selling author based in Los Angeles. With 10 years of industry experience, she has worked with incredible clients, including Disney, Facebook, Papyrus, and the New York Times. She's designed everything from theme park artwork to fashion doll packaging, editorial illustrations to apparel designs. She's spoken about her work at Art Center College of Design, California College of the Arts, and more. She's written and illustrated three best-selling books, Bad Girls Throughout History, Legendary Ladies, and most recently in what we talked about, Nevertheless, She Wore It, all published by Chronicle Books. Welcome, Anne, to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks for talking about your book, Nevertheless, She Wore It, 50 Iconic Fashion Moments. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, Zibby. I'm so excited to be here. This book was so awesome. I mean, I couldn't even decide which I found most interesting some of the current day fashion trends or all the ones from like back in the day when the invention of the bikini or when pants were like a big deal and all of that stuff. How did you <laughs> come up with all of these different fashion moments and what is like the bigger story behind assembling them all together? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. So I love fashion and style. I love it as a way that we have like, pers we can express ourselves, right? So I was thinking about all the ways that people who are very much in the public eye are aware of that. And especially women who historically have been a group that haven't always had a voice are aware that people are always looking at what they're wearing. And then there have been people who use that as a way to deliver a message. And so that's kind of the theme that I started with. And a lot of the time the message was a way to give women more of a voice, a place, power, more liberation. And so I looked for examples in history that started changing, like evolving styles, but ways that, in ways that were for women to feel more empowered. And so narrowing down to 50 people 
or 50 moments rather was really difficult because there's so many fun styles, interesting styles to talk about and the history behind everything. But I really tried to either trace the lineage of styles because they evolve through time to like, where did this come from? What did it mean at the time? And then just moments that were very politically or news groundbreaking that we still remember even now that are tied to a message like Lady Gaga's meat dress or Hillary Clinton's white suits. And you mentioned in the beginning of the book how things really changed after the Industrial Revolution. So what happened? Like, what happened then? Like, what? (laughs) So before then, all clothes were handmade. So the like literally by hand. So most people didn't own a lot of clothes. The industrial revolution created factories that then were able to create like garment mills and sewing factories and make clothing more accessible and more meaning more affordable to everyone besides the upper class. Like the only people who had real costumes or changes were people who were royalty or who were very, very like famous or well off. So Once it became, once the Industrial Revolution happened and everybody was able to get clothing, they were able to have a bigger wardrobe to express themselves, to have more of a say in how they wanted to present in the world versus here are the few dresses that (laughs) my mom made and have handed down or that I made. And so I think that made it more, like that made style a more accessible choice to everyone as a way of personal expression. Yeah, it's funny because I don't really think about what I wear that much. Like, I'm not very stylish. Like, I don't, I'm not really into fashion so much. Like, my clothes don't make a statement. Like, if they fit, it's a good day. <laughs> like, I know what I like, but like, my main criterion is like, does this hide the places that need to be hidden right now? Yeah. That's like how I dress. But yeah. I realize for all the women in here, like, everybody, not everybody, but most people were trying to say something or do something, or maybe inadvertently, like, Michelle Obama with her shift dress, the sleeveless shift dress, or, you know, Serena Williams with her tennis cat suit, or were they all trying to make such a message? Was it just, you know, and even Elizabeth Hurley, how you point out with the, how she basically created like an influencer at all, really. (laughs) Do you think that, like how intentional, I guess, do you think most of these current day moments were? Did they mean to create such a stir or maybe it just varies? I think that was such a, that's such a good question because I want to go back to like you not thinking you're a stylish person. But the thing is like, we all get dressed every day, right? And we all make choices of how we want to dress. And what you expressed was just, you dress to feel good, right? To feel good about your body because you're emphasizing the things you like and directing the (laughs) attention, right? (laughs) You're in control of the attention. And that's part of the power of getting dressed, right? Even if you're not a celebrity on the red carpet or a politician, you're still making those choices of how you want to present in the world. And that is your personal power you have every day. Every single person has that. Even little kids have that, right? Like they definitely want to express themselves through their clothes. I think some of it, some of the choices in there, some of it incidentally turned out to be controversial, like Michelle Obama's sleeveless shift, because it was just like a shift dress from like Wait, J. Crew. Right? I'm pretty sure which, I had that like, dress, every, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like every, every woman owns a dress like that. And it's very, it looks like a professional dress. It's, you know, like a high collar, it's black. It's very simple and silhouette, but people were so scandalized because she was the first first lady to wear a dress without sleeves in her official portrait. And also she had amazing arms so that helped, but it also was just like, so silly 
that that was something that became newsworthy, but at the same time speaks to how conservative and how different we view everyday women versus someone in political power, perhaps. But then there are also intentional ones. Even with the Liz Hurley dress, she wasn't famous at the time, but she became famous overnight because of that dress. She was just Hugh Grant's girlfriend, was going to one of his premieres. But so he had connections to, I think it was Versace. And they only had one dress available for her, which was the safety pin dress. And she was confident enough to be like, yeah, I'm going to wear that dress. I didn't really think anything of it. It looks like a little black dress. And everybody, I mean, photographs of her at the premiere were all over the world. And so it was really interesting that like a woman confident in her body making a choice that really wasn't a choice because that was the only dress she had been offered also became a statement, right? I mean, if that was the only dress I was offered, I would not go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have to be able to pull that off. So I don't know. (laughs) She was also like, what, probably 24. Okay, fine. Yeah. And she's dating Hugh Grant, who's super hot at the time. And so she's really feeling herself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, (laughs) I don't think I would either. (laughs) But but the fact that a woman was feeling comfortable enough to wear that was already headline news, which is also kind of crazy, right? Yep. And even how you point out in the book, like JLo's famous Versace dress, I think it was Versace, that other people, two other people had already worn it and nobody had really cared or noticed or taken note of it. And it was just the fact that it was so right for her and brought out all of her like glowingness, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. And at that moment, right. And you know, what's funny looking back at that dress when I was painting it, I was like, wow, it doesn't look that scandalous compared to what people wear now. But I remember at that time we were all so scandalized, like, oh my God. Yeah. And now people are basically naked all the time. I mean, (laughs) even get dressed. Like, what is that? Well, let's go back. Like, how did you get here? How did you end up writing this book? Like, how did you get your start with writing and illustrating and all the rest? Oh, so I went to college for a degree in writing. And then I worked for a few years in nonprofits. And then after that, I decided I wanted to go back to school and be an illustrator, a professional illustrator and designer. So I did that. And then I was working for a few years in-house as a professional designer, and then freelancing on the side and working on little projects of my like little passion projects. So one of them was Bad Girls Throughout History, which ended up being my first book. And it came out in 2016, but I started it in about probably 2010. It was a book about female trailblazers, like the first woman to do XYZ. And I try to cover a lot of broad fields because at the time I was finding myself struggling with finding any female role models who had broken the rules, who had been the first to do something that they were told not to do, which was something that I felt like I was running up against a lot as a young professional. And so since I couldn't find it, I started collecting them and telling their stories. And the more I did that, the more people would share with me, oh, have you heard of so-and-so and so-and-so? And before I knew it, I had a whole book. And my agent had seen it. It was a little zine at the time. My agent had seen it, posted on a blog, and she reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in turning it into a book. And I was like, only my hope and dream in life. <laughs> but I played it cool, and I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. And So we made a proposal, pitched it, Chronicle Books gave us a great offer. They were a great fit for it. And they've been a publisher of my books ever since because they really get creating like 
what I'm doing, which is something kind of unusual. It's not a children's book, but it's not a usual adult book. It's a coffee table book, but it's also like, I want it to feel like learning history, but from your best friend where you're just like, have you heard of this cool person? And that's kind of the thread of all my books, which is all about, you know, feminine power, women in history, which have been largely marginalized. And my second book was about goddesses in all different cultures because I wanted to explore archetypes and the way women were treated or females were thought of in cultures, the important roles they played prior to even like pre-Christian colonialism, basically. And so my third book now, I wanted to explore a different angle of feminism and something that I felt like is kind of coming up again, especially with how much we pay attention to I think it came up a lot after the 2016 election where everybody was wearing a pink pussy hat to the women's march, right? It was the first time that we had kind of a collective style moment where we could feel together, even though we were very despondent. And that's something that people have done throughout history, like the Black Panthers with Black Berets, suffragettes with their tricolor stripe. So that was really interesting to me. And then we always get articles about There was a while people were saying, ask her more for women on red carpets because they were saying, oh, women are just asked about who they're wearing. But then women kind of co-opted that for the Time's Up movement when they all wore black on the Golden Globes red carpet. And that was really interesting. Like these women know that they're invisible positions, invisible positions. And, And what they say has a lot of power because we all see them. Their images are all around the world like within the hour. And so that visual representation is just as important as what you're saying, right? So you could use that as a means of style. And then of course we see it in politics all the time. And we see it right now, especially with Kamala Harris wearing like Chuck Taylors and boots and everyone's writing about it. And it's just, and it sends a message about the kind of leader she is. And so it's just, I think a really interesting time since we are such a visual society now with social media and we're getting news like refreshed every second. And we're so visual that we take those visuals even more as a means of power and expression. It's true. So anyway, that was my long-winded story. <laughs> how I got here and how I ended up writing this book. I totally understood those Golden Globes. It was the Golden Globes, right? Or was it yeah. Academy Awards when they all wore black? Yeah. But like selfishly, I was very disappointed not to have all that sort of eye candy of dresses and Fine. necklaces and all the glittery things that we don't get in our normal life. I like, know. I definitely yeah. had a moment where I was like, wait, are they doing this at every award show this year? Yeah, exactly. How long is this going on? Yeah, I mean, I totally support the visibility of it. But yeah, I, I mean, and I love the red carpet because it's such a way for people to appreciate artists too, right? Like a lot of young American designers, like Michelle Obama only chose to wear American designers or just their choices in celebrating these designers, it gives them a a platform unlike anything else. So what type of, what's your fashion motif? Like, what do you like to wear? Oh my gosh. Well, I always love a Peter Pan collar. (laughs) Very cute. (laughs) It kind of reminds me of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course. Uh And then just, but it also feels, I feel professional, but also feminine, right? Like it's our version of our white collar. Yep. I love a red lipstick. I definitely do feel more put together, even if I'm just wearing red lipstick, which has been kind of a thing, even through quarantine. I'm like, okay, if I just put on lipstick for the Zoom, I will feel like my life's together and everything is not falling apart around me. (laughs) Yeah. 
lip gloss is my thing. And I, I, I like continue to put it on. I don't even have it. They, you know, it stays on for like three seconds, yeah. but in those three seconds, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm all put together. But now with the pandemic, it's like, I go outside, like I put it on and then I put yeah. my mask on. It's so <laughs> stupid. Why do I do this? Like, but I know it's like, I know it's under there. Yeah. It makes you feel good. Right. It makes you feel like my life is together. Yeah. So silly. <laughs> but yeah, the red lipstick. Those, I mean, it's nice to have a signature thing like that. I don't, makes it sort of easier to get out the door when you know that's what you do and yeah. that's how you do it. I mean, the red lipstick, not the, not the lip gloss. <laughs> <laughs> the lip gloss too. What's your No, favorite? no, it's not. No, it's like, I'm not only, I can even tell that it's on. Yours is like a <laughs> statement <you know? laughs> that I can see now. So are you working on a new project after this? Like what's coming next for you? Yeah, I'm actually working on a fourth book, which I'm really excited about. It's, I would say it's inspired by, we haven't announced it yet, but it's inspired by a lot of the events of this year. Yeah. Okay. I will, I will translate that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I happen to love both your illustration style and your writing style because both I find are like, there's, it's like a little bit of, a little bit of like flirty fun and sense of humor mixed with like actual great depiction of things. I didn't say that very well, but you know, even the title, it's, it's like you don't take yourself too seriously and yet you're also teaching, which is like the best kind of teacher there is really. Oh, thank you. You know, versus like, I am going to make you realize this about feminism or whatever. You know, I unfortunately feel that some more feminist leaning things, I Mm -hmm. know this is going to sound bad. I don't know. I just don't like any anybody being too didactic in what yeah. they're trying to to teach or to share. You know, there's gentler ways to communicate. So anyway, I just love it. Thank you. I love it. You should do like commissions. Do you do that? Like somebody commissioning like for my mom's birthday or something, you would do like I a guess. picture of her and I could send you her favorite coat or and then frame I it. I get asked all the time for that, but I really don't have time since I'm always working <laughs> on a new book. <laughs> Like I'm way too famous and accomplished for your no. picture of your mom, but thank you for the thought. If I, I am on my last dime, maybe I'll call you. I, <laughs> I'm too busy hustling to make more things that are accessible to everyone, right? Like it's way easier to buy a twenty dollar book than to afford a commission. Yes. <laughs> well, just I'll just say I really appreciate your work. And the book is great. I mean, it's also like a great giftable book and I don't know, you can just see like I don't know. Maybe I'll give, like, if you'd even do the necklace and, like, a black dress in this book, like, what a perfect gift is that, you know? That would be so sweet. Yeah. Right? And the holidays are coming sort of soon. So, I don't know. I think that's a great, I'm going to have to remember this around the holiday time to, like, match it with any of these things. And especially with Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the cover, given yeah. her recent loss and everything. So, well, do you have any advice to aspiring author illustrators such as yourself? Oh, my gosh. Just follow your curiosity and just... Those things are things that are unique to you, your voice, your point of view, and create the things that you wish existed in the world. That's what I continue to keep trying to do with my books. And like you said, like I like to make cheeky, fun books. I had a hard time memorizing history or like being really interested in history when I was in school. But my approach to it now is like I rediscovered it as these are all people just like we were just human, messy, complicated, funny, accomplished. And we could, they could still do all these amazing things. Right. And it's like, when I talk about it like that, and when I'm sharing it with a girlfriend, I'm just like, 
this is fascinating or when I'm hearing stories from our friends. So I want it to be cheeky and fun and interesting and also make you feel smarter and more connected to the world and, and our ancestors, our collective ancestors. So just think about, so that's, that's what I'm interested in. So think about the things that you're interested in and you're curious about and love and want to share with the world and someone else will need the thing that you want to make. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. No, they will. I feel like there's always so there's so many people, right? And like you look on the internet, there are groups for everything. So you will find your people. You'll find your tribe. That's true. <laughs> How big um, it'll okay. be? <laughs> Someone needs what you make. Someone will need it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on Mom's Damn Time Treat Bugs, and thanks for nevertheless she wore it, and I just loved it, and it's adorable and awesome, and. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Sugar Wish. Send a surprise Sugar Wish to somebody you love and check it out yourself, sugarwish.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 